Hi folks, and welcome back to episode 6 of the Future in Finance podcast series. If you're new here, this podcast is dedicated to helping you smash through those CMAP exams. Every other week, we pick one of the topics from the London Institute of Banking and Finance's study text, and we work through it together, trying to give it some pizzazz and dropping in some real-world examples to help you along the way. Now, I have mildly devastating news in that Maria can't be with us this week, and that's not because she's off gallivanting halfway up some Greek mountain again, it's just because, sadly, she's decided to move in with a boy, meaning we're figuring out a platform where we can record from two separate locations, but we're not there just yet, so she shall return for the next episode, I promise. Now, before we dive right on into Finance Fun Town, I have some quick housekeeping bits. First up, the 40% off the complete audio study guide package only has one more week left to run. So if you haven't heard already, you can buy a complete audio breakdown topic by topic of the London Institute of Banking and Finance's study text to listen to on the go. And it means you can feel well smug this summer whilst drinking mojitos in a can from your back garden, all in the name of self-development. You also get a private one-to-one with me before the exam day, just so we can work through some of those pre-exam jitters. And you can get all of that for just £144 until the end of May. Not only is this something that isn't sold anywhere else, but for everything you're getting, it is an absolute steal, so don't miss out. You can find it at www.futureinfinance.co.uk or by going through our Insta page, which is at Future in Finance. I am also so psyched to tell you that there are going to be some new dates added for the fast track study courses so you can get through all the study material and sit your exam in just five days with me. Right now, all the courses that I've got are fully booked and they're weekend courses, but I'm going to be launching some Monday to Friday dates really soon. And finally, I've had such a huge response to this podcast and I'm so super grateful. If you've listened, please go on ahead and like it on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Brownie points if you follow, subscribe or leave a review. Okay, enough of that. Let's jump right on into topic six, which is direct investments, cash and fixed securities. And that's coming straight after our super catchy, not at all overly advertised intro music. direct investments, cash and fixed securities. So as you know, we only have about 20 minutes. So what I'm going to do is pick out some of the key objectives from the topic and hopefully give you a better understanding of them. If you have seen this topic in the textbook, you'll have also seen that it's well information heavy. So I've picked out some highlights, the Spark Notes version, if you will. And because I want it to be really good to you, I've specifically focused on the trickier parts of the topic because I know that you don't need to be told what a current account and a savings account is. So today we're going to cover the main asset classes, national savings and investment products, gilts, other fixed interest investments, including local authority bonds, permanent interest bearing shares, also known as PIBs, corporate bonds and euro bonds. And finally, we're going to look at alternative finance, such as peer to peer lending. Now, the first thing that I want to do is make sure we all have a good understanding of the word asset. I imagine you've heard it a bunch of times before, but just so we're on the same page, An asset is something that you can either own or control that has a monetary value and has the potential to make you money. 
So an asset, for example, could be something as simple as cash in the bank. It could be an investment. It could be a property and maybe even equipment. Think about how expensive a Lamborghini tractor might be. Basically, anything that you look at and think, yeah, do you know what? I think that's worth something. You could class that as an asset. Now, if you need another way of remembering what an asset is, I'm going to make this really, really easy. So Taylor Swift has insured her legs as financial assets for millions of dollars because her legs, I mean, as, as well as the rest of her, make her money. So she's insured them as financial assets. And I thought this was really spectacular. So I procrastinated. I did a bit of Googling. It turns out it's not that uncommon. Keith Richards, Dolly Parton, David Beckham, they've all done the same thing. I don't know why it's specifically with their legs, except for David Beckham. I get that. But it's really, really common for celebrities to insure various bodily parts as financial assets. So think of it that way. Something that makes them money. The next word I want to drop in here is capital, which is really similar. And sometimes you'll hear the phrase capital assets. So capital can also refer to things like cash, investments, property and equipment. But capital can only be used for acquiring and using assets. So you can use your capital to buy assets and then the assets that you own would have the potential to grow your wealth, make you money and you could spend that on whatever you liked. Make sense? Since the two are really similar, you'll find a handy visual somewhere on an Instagram page. Just don't forget to use those posts for your studies. You can save them, pin them, do whatever you need to do. As I mentioned, some of the products covered in this topic will already be really familiar to you, like current account and savings accounts. But products such as national savings and investment accounts or corporate bonds might be less familiar unless you've heard about them in another financial podcast or potentially on the news. So we're going to run through those. Our first objective that we have is the main financial asset classes. So simply put, investments can be separated into several main asset classes. You've got property, so you could have a buy-to-let property, which would be an asset. You've got cash, which is just money held in a bank account. You could have fixed interest securities like gilts and corporate bonds, or you could have equities, which would be company shares or direct investments. Now, items such as fine art or antiques are also classed as assets, but they're generally referred to as an alternative investment. And a general rule set when it comes to investments is that the higher the risk presented in an investment, the higher the potential return. So each of the asset classes listed above will offer differing levels of potential return and different levels of risk. For example, cash can offer a generally low level of return. And what I mean by that is if you put cash in a savings account, it's very unlikely that the bank are going to pay you good money to keep that in there. The interest rate that you get offered on savings account these days is nominal. Um, whereas shares, they offer no guarantee of either income payment or future capital value. So if a company fails, the shares become completely worthless. But if you were one of the first guys to work to buy a share in Apple, then you're probably going to be rolling in it. So that's how those work. It's also definitely worth remembering that different asset classes tend to perform differently based on the different stages of their economic life cycle. So it's generally advised that investors who have sufficient funds to do so should diversify their holdings between different asset classes 
to balance the different risk and reward profiles. And let's break that down. So all that that means is that if you were a financial advisor and you were managing somebody's money, you wouldn't put all of their money into one high risk short term investment. What you would do is you would spread their money across a bunch of different investment options to lower the overall risk and see what income would come in from which investments. Now, at this point, the textbook is going to run, run you through stuff like savings account, current accounts, basic accounts, all that stuff. It's an easy read. I definitely recommend that you go through it. There might be one or two that you've not heard of before, but that you will know about generally. So instead, let's skip ahead and take a look at national savings and investment accounts. OK, so national savings and investment accounts are a range of investment products that are backed by the government. So the risk associated with the product is very low because the government guarantees the return of any capital that's invested. Basically, to get one of these, you go onto the website and open up an account that suits your needs. Some of them, also known as the one that I have, have a lottery system that operates within it. So for every £1 that you put in, you get entry into a lottery that they run and you can win anywhere between £5 and £50,000 a month. The idea is that the more you put in, the more likely you are to win. Now, when I did my CMAP Fast Track course, I want to say that three or four of the maybe 25 to 30 people that were on the course had one of these and they had won something, even if it was just a nominal fee in the past. I'm not going to lie, it inspired me to go and stick 50 quid in an account because I'm a sucker for being sold a dream. And one of the ladies was saying that her stepdad won £50,000 on it after only putting in £10 a month for a couple of months. So after that, I was absolutely sold. Give me your golden ticket, Charlie. Anyway, it's been a hot second. I've not won anything so far, but they're a very safe way to invest. And you can open up an account for your kids as well. So they can't access it till they're 18, but it just means that you can open a savings product for them. Just to mention, if you were to do a fast track course with me, you would never be put in an environment with 25 to 30 other people. We max out at eight other people just to give you the best possible learning experience. But more can be found out about the National Savings and Investment products on their website. And just to let you know, I'm not an affiliate. I don't sell those products. I'm just giving you my personal experience of them. Next up, we have gilts. So I'm about to be real. These bad boys are a little trickier to wrap your head around. So if you're multitasking now, it might be the time to give me your full attention. Kind of like when you turn the radio down to reverse park. So gilts belong to a category of investments called fixed-edged securities or gilt-edged securities, and they're a form of borrowing by the UK government. Again, they're regarded as super safe because the government isn't expected to default, default on any capital repayments or on any interest. Although, who knows what's going to happen with this government? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, gilts fall into different categories based on the length of time until redemption. And all that redemption means is it's the date on which the government must redeem the gilt by paying back its original issue value. So basically, the redemption date is the pay date on the gilt. This works in the same way as redeeming an interest-only mortgage. So again, it's just the gilt payday. Now, if you've made it this far, I'm going to do something here. If you head on over to our Instagram page and you find the post linked to this specific podcast episode, which is episode six, and it was posted on the 24th of May, leave a comment in here telling me that you've listened to the episode and you'd really like a freebie, and I will send you all the visual breakdowns for this topic to help you wrap your head around what's to come. 
and you'll also get an insight into the stuff that we didn't cover today. So it's basically all the topic six visuals that you would usually pay for if you wanted to buy the topic for the audio study guide. So just go to Instagram, find the post, hit me up and I'll slippy slide the good kind of visuals into your DMs. Let me know if you want them. Okay, I digress. Let's get back to the topic. Now, there are two tables that we need to talk about, and I'm marking this one as super important because there have been questions linked to this on all the mock exams that I've seen recently. So the Financial Press and the UK Debt Management Office categorise guilts differently, and I'm pretty sure the only reason they do this is to con us out of this mark on the exam. So come and get those visuals because you might need them. According to the Financial Press, short dated guilts have less than five years until redemption. Medium-dated guilts have 5 to 15 years till redemption, and long-dated guilts have more than 15 years till redemption. Whereas, according to the Debt Management Office, who are the guys that actually issue the guilts, short-dated guilts have less than 7 years until redemption, and medium-dated guilts have 7 to 15 years till redemption, and they don't categorise long-dated guilts. If it helps, I'm fairly certain that the question was along the lines of, according to the Debt Management Office, how long is a short-dated guilt? And you'll have the correct answer, which is less than seven years, but you'll also have the option for the financial press's answer, which was under five years or five to 15 years. So it is key to make sure that you remember those numbers. Now, the government will usually make new issues of guilts once the ones that they've offered have reached their redemption date. So when a new issue is made, investors are able to purchase them. Gilts can't be refunded for any reason, but they can be sold on to other investors. So once the gilts that they've offered have ended, they'll release another bunch that then go out for sale. Now you might sometimes hear or see the word coupon, and this just refers to the interest rate that's payable on the value of the gilt. Now it's a fixed rate of interest, it's paid half yearly, and it's paid gross, so it's taxable. Guilt interest is normally paid without the deduction of tax, but you can opt to pay tax, so you can elect for net payment, which means the tax will automatically be deducted. And if the interest that you've earned when added to any other savings income means that you've exceeded your personal allowance, then you would get taxed at whatever your rate of tax is, so it'll either be 20%, 40%, or 45%, depending on your income. A lot of people buy gilts with absolutely no intention of keeping them until their redemption date. Their aim is to sell them for a profit when the market is strong. Okay, let's talk about other kinds of fixed interest stocks. So we've got local authority bonds. Now, like the government, local authorities can borrow money by issuing stocks or bonds, which are fixed term, fixed interest securities. So that just means you'll know exactly when it ends and exactly how much you'll receive at the end of it. They're secured on local authority assets and offer a guaranteed rate of interest that is again paid half yearly. The bonds are not negotiable and they have a fixed return rate at maturity. Now the return on the capital on maturity is promised, but these are not as secure as gilts because there is no government guarantee associated with them. Next on our list, we have permanent interest bearing shares, also known as PIBs. These are issued by building societies to raise capital, so they pay a fixed rate of interest on a half yearly basis and the interest again is paid without tax. 
PIBs rank below the ordinary accounts in priority of payment, so they are classed as higher risk, and all that that means is that if the building society was to collapse, they wouldn't be the first to get paid out, so that there's more risk associated with them. We also have corporate bonds. Now, generally, a company will seek to finance its activities by using its profits, but there are situations where profits won't be enough to meet the company's requirements and it has to look for alternative sources of finance. Now, there are two ways that a company can do this. First of all, it can look to lend from banks or other lenders, but second, it can issue corporate bonds to assist in meeting its long-term financial needs. So a corporate bond that is secured on a company asset is known as a debenture. I've seen it in the exam. Debenture is a corporate bond that is secured on company assets. Got it? The holder has extra security of the asset on which it's secured. So the risk associated with corporate bonds relates to the viability of the issuing company, its prospects and its financial strengths. So again, if the company is sound, you're likely to make good money on it. If the company collapses, you've got absolutely nothing that you can do with that. So corporate bonds are riskier than gilts because they're not backed by government. They will, though, pay a higher level of interest because of that, because they've got an extra level of risk. Next on our list, we have euro bonds. So this refers to a bond issued or traded in a country other than the one in which the bond originated from. So this means that the bond operates outside of the jurisdiction of the central bank that issued the currency. So an example of this is if you lived in the UK and you bought bonds from Spain, Italy, Greece, Euro bonds are basically a form of borrowing used by multinational organisations and governments. Now, I feel like it's really important to mention here that the majority of these products aren't meant for you and me, for Joe Blogs, for Sandry, next door neighbour. These kind of investments look for tens of thousands of pounds worth of contributions, if not more. So it's something that a financial advisor might look at day to day, which is why it's included in your CMAP studies and we need to know about it. But the majority of these products, you're not going to look online and go, I'm going to take out some euro bonds. So don't think of it that way. And finally, our last objective for today, we have alternative finance, which is also known as peer-to-peer -peer lending. So this involves an individual placing their money with a peer-to-peer -peer lender who will then lend that money out to a business that's seeking funding. So in some cases... Returns can be super competitive, but there's so much more risk involved. Peer-to-peer -peer lending is not covered by the financial services compensation compensation scheme. So if you lose out, there is no recourse for you to get any of that money back, which is why the payments can be quite hefty that paid out to you. You can make a lot of money if you make smart choices, but it's not always guaranteed and you wouldn't manage that it would be the peer-to-peer -peer lending company that would manage that and that is us done for today that's just a taster of cmap one unit one topic six boxed right off i know i mentioned it at the start but please remember this podcast is not a comprehensive study guide it's here to give you an insight into each unit and to support your learning for sure but if you need more you can head on over to the website, which is www.futureinfinance.co.uk. 
And I forgot to mention it before, but you also have the option of purchasing one topic at a time. So if you've got a really good handle on self-study, first of all, props to you. But if there's just one bit that boggles your brain or you've just sat your exam and missed the mark in one or two units. First of all, don't worry, because that happened to me, too. But it, what it does mean is you can buy just the one topic that you need to help with your studies for just £10. And honestly, I can't even tell you what can you even buy for £10 these days. So it is a bargain. Now, my favourite people... Go better yourself, go get the career you want and go get help with your CMAP studies with Future in Finance. As always, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want to know more about or if you just want to tell me that you're studying towards your CMAP and you fell on this podcast completely by accident but you learned something new today, then please, please, please get in touch. We have this podcast, we have a blog, we have TikTok, we've got Instagram, all the good stuff that I've already mentioned. It's been an absolute dream having you here. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you in two weeks.